Last night about 2.15, I was talking to my wife Mel on the phone, and all of a sudden I hear this smoke detector going off. And she said, oh my goodness, what's going on? Open the door, there's smoke in the hallway. So they went out about 2.15 in the morning. Fire department came, police came. They are maybe out there for maybe about 30 minutes, I'm thinking. Go back in, a person had, I was thinking someone may, must have been smoking and fell asleep. But that wasn't the case. They were using the microwave, and I don't know if they put too much time on it. They panicked, took the item out of the microwave, and put it in the hallway. Now, mind you, there is a sink with water. And close the door. <laughs> and so they came out in their smoke filling the hallway. Be careful when you panic because you're liable to do anything. <laughs> You are just liable to do anything. Emily, where are you? Emily, I want to welcome you here. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Amen. A friend of Rhonda. Uh, did you ride with Rhonda here today? You did. Did she keep it under 90 on the way here? She did. 80. Oh, close, close, huh? Close. <laughs> she was, she, <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> Well, it is indeed good seeing everyone here today. I'll be traveling to Stockton, be a couple of us going down there. And then let me just say this as I keep going. And in the midst of, well, I had already just, I, right before I talked to Mel, finishing up the sermon, and I get a call from my daughter. Dad, I have a big nail in my tire. Mind you now, it's 10.30, 10.40 p.m. And so she says, I'm working. I need to keep going. I said, no, you need to drive that car either home or take it. Uh, have the AAA come and get you. So she gets to it. Um, it's getting to a clear spot. And I'm saying, now, there's two things that can happen. It actually was a, as a big, as a nut that was in there. I said, now, you have two things. Don't, don't try to take it out. You might be okay or the tire just may go flat. Well, on her way home, about three miles before she got there, it went completely flat. So here I am now sitting in my office thinking, now I gotta go get her. She says, no, I, I'm okay, I'm, a, I'm gonna, gonna call Triple A. So I said, Cheryl, do you have a lock on your wheels? I don't know. I said, oh, Lord. Check to see if you have a, a lock in your glove compartment. And what does it look like? <laughs> Just go take a picture of the lug nuts and send it to me. So she took a picture, sent it, and I'm looking, I said, I don't see a, place for a lock so she went to the back and I said now do you have a regular size tire or do you have one of those donuts what's well, a small one I said you have a donut I said now you cannot drive over 50 miles per hour on that donut it's not a 50 mile limit it's just 50 miles per hour now some people think I can only drive 50 miles on it no it's 50 miles per hour so she got it and saw that it was there and all the the other thing that she needed the Triple A came, fixed the tire. I said, now you need to go to Pep Boys tomorrow because everything else is closed. So I get a call this morning. They have one technician today at Pep Boys, and there are 20 people ahead of me. He won't be able to get to it until late this afternoon. I said, oh, Lord. So I get another text. I'm renting a car today. That was my night last night. So I got into bed about 3 o'clock this morning. Got up about 6 o'clock. I am feeling really good. <laughs> really good. 
got this long drive today, and if I fall asleep, Sister Florence will push me. <laughs> Brother George will throw some water on me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, Lord. One thing I do know, Rhonda and I drive, and she went. <laughs> Would you bow your head with me, please? Today, God, we are thankful for being in this parking lot amphitheater. <laughs> and we thank you for the wonderful privilege of being able to worship you in spirit and in truth. And as we have worshiped in song, now may the word of God penetrate our very hearts and lives. We are grateful to you. We love you and we thank you. We bless you, bless your name and we worship you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. In your Bibles, you may turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, 6 through 10. Chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 6 through 10. And this is how 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. I want to just welcome again everyone that's here, Denise and her friend, and just everyone, thank you for being here. This is how it reads in 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. If you put these things before the brothers... You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. As a title for this message, I have given spiritual training versus physical training. Spiritual training versus physical training. All athletes do not all train in the same way. Some athletes that have made it to the pros desire to train with some other pros as the intensity of their workout pushes others to new levels. Jerry Rice was said to have a rigorous workout. That was hailed by many. The discipline that it takes when one does not want to get up in the morning or when one wants to stop because of excruciating pain, one needs to push through those things. It is commendable to have such a work ethic when the work span of that athlete will end in their 30s and they will be called old when they hit 40. Now, that's something when you're called old at the age of 40. (laughs) Yet Paul says that physical exercise or training is of some value. But the real value comes in spiritual training. And this, unfortunately, is not even seen as necessary by far too many people of even beginning. One point that I will address today under this title, spiritual training versus physical training. First point is putting it all on the line. Verse 6 and 7 says, if you put these 
things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Timothy has a good reputation and is called to implement it. He's called to put what he knows and what he has into practice. The book we see is written by Paul to Timothy, but you need to know while the book is written to Timothy, the book is for all believers. Paul says that you need to put into practice those things that you have learned. And if you do put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant. Well, what things? Well, there's been debate among the commentators, but it is believed that the things that Paul is telling Timothy are the verses that came right before verses one through five that we have been we dealt with over the last couple of weeks. So many commentators believe that it is the preceding verses, even though Paul would also be including everything that he has said before. The Greek word Adelphoi means brother in its generics. Since it also means generally it could be members or brothers and sisters, Adelphoi. Jesus also used this term, brothers and sisters, and I'm not going to read those scriptures, but let me just give those to you if you want to write them down and you can read them later. Jesus, for those who served him, called people brothers. You will find one reference in Matthew chapter 3, verse 35, and also Matthew 28, verse 10. This word brothers also later is used by Christians. And one, you can find this reference in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, and Ephesians 6, 23. One of the things that we have to consider is that when we consider and we look at this matter of Paul saying, Timothy, not only have I laid out many things to you, but I want you to know that the charge that has been given to you, Timothy, is for everyone, everybody. And so one of the things that you've got to consider is that even though this letter is written to you, I want you to tell the brothers and the sisters. Tell them, Timothy, don't be intimidated by people. In verse 7, don't be swayed to go along with that which others are peddling. Do you not know that there are some people who peddle wrong teaching? And Paul has been telling him, don't you peddle that which others are doing. And in fact, Timothy, you will be a good servant. You will be a good steward if you give them The word of God without compromise. I tell you today, one of the challenges in our world is to preach an unadulterated gospel. Today, there are certain things that people are apologizing for and they are right. Do you not know that if I was to go on television and I was to say certain things that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved, and you must get go through him in order to get to the Father, 
I might be run out of town. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If they call me to the television, they call me anywhere, I'm going to tell them that Jesus is the only way to the Father. If that's what I'm speaking on. <laughs> don't, don't get involved in peddling these foolish ideas and these myths. Don't get involved with silly myths. Now, you need to understand, the idea of silly myths really comes from an idea way back that was talking about older, older women who had become senile. And so when that word silly is used, it was a reference when they say old wives' tales. That's where it comes from. It was for those who were actually senile and they actually wasn't sure of what they were saying. Paul says these peddlers don't get involved with silly myths. Those things that are controversy, those things that don't help the brethren or the people of God, don't get involved in those things. Verse 8, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. L let me say this before addressing verse 8. Do you know that when Paul was talking to Timothy... And you look at the history that we have been, we have actually gone on. We went back to the book of Acts. We looked at Paul's missionary journeys. We saw when Timothy became a part of the ministry. We were looking at Acts 16. And then we began to look at how Paul and Silas and uh, began to travel with, with um, Paul, um, Silas and Timothy rather. And then we even have Luke who is the recorder in the book of Luke and Acts. And as these things are being laid out, we, we see this development of Timothy to where Timothy, not only was he following Paul and the fact that he had been raised by a Christian grandmother and mother, we see that Paul commends him and says that you need to put into effect the calling and the praying and the laying, of on, and the laying on of hands that was on you. You need to put those things into effect. And now, Timothy, he said in the earlier part of 1 Timothy, you stay there in Ephesus and you command. And as Paul is drawing this first portion to a conclusion, he said, you will be a good servant. You will be a good steward. You will be a good leader if you put these things into practice of telling people what God's word said. But don't you get involved with silly traditions. There are some people, I'm not talking about you, but there are some people that if you sit on the roll or in their seat, they're going to be upset when they come in and they see you sitting there. Now, there are certain places that, yeah, in the pulpit that not, shouldn't just be for anyone, but the fact of the matter is that there are no pews with seats in it. Or names on them. There are no, no chairs with the name on it. But I'm going to tell you this. You go to some places, don't you sit in that person's seat. And they'll come by and they'll stand there and expect you to move. <laughs> now what does that have to do with the salvation of anybody? And if you don't move, they got to sit somewhere else. They'll sit there mad all service. Paul says, Timothy, don't you get involved with silly stuff like that. Timothy, 
Don't you get involved if a person drives and parks in your parking space. Don't, don't you get upset and you go block them in so they can't get out. Don't do that, Timothy. Don't get involved with those traditions that have nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the saving of lives. Don't tell them they got to turn around three times to be saved. Don't, don't, Timothy, get involved in those things. Preach the gospel, Timothy. Preach the word of God because you will be a good steward and a good servant if you do it. You know, Timothy, bodily training is important and has some value and is good to do. But Timothy, spiritual training has not only benefits for this life, but for the life to come. Those are the things that you need to be training and teaching, Timothy. Not those things that are silly myths, but tell people and train them to exercise their spiritual muscles. Physical training only has value for this life, but godliness has value for the life and the life to come, here and in the future. Timothy is to teach them, as Paul is saying, verses 1 through 5. And you are to be sure, Timothy, to make sure that Christ is the focus. For those that have accepted the gift of Christ, we say, this old world is not my home. When we think about this body, this body is not my home. But my spiritual life, that which God does on the inside, that which he takes and he molds and he mends and allows me to respond to his word, that has value for now as well as for eternity. Timothy, physical exercise and training has value, but Timothy, the spiritual is most important. Timothy, I want you to emphasize the spiritual. Knowing that the physical may have some value, but it's time limited. Do you not know that this physical body in which you are living is deteriorating? It is going back to the dust. Brother George comes out on Sunday morning and he gets the blower and he blows the pine needles and blows the dirt and the debris away so that it it looks clean so that you can walk through. And so he takes that and goes down the steps and down the sidewalk and does a good job so that when you come, you can walk up a clean driveway. But I want you to know that one of the things you've got to understand is that you are returning to the dust. <laughs> and one day, this old body will just be blown away. But that which God has put on the inside is going to last forever. But I want you to know this, Timothy, while physical exercise is of value and helps and helps you with your life, that's good. But you focus, Timothy, and tell the people that the spiritual is most important. In chapter 9, he says, for this is a trustworthy saying. There are five times in the pastoral letters. Pastoral letters includes 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, where that phrase, this is a trustworthy saying. In verse 9, you'll, you'll see that. Now, what's interesting about Paul in stating this, this becomes a very important statement in his writing. This is a trustworthy statement. But one of the things that's very interesting is that when does it apply? Is Paul referring to this as a trustworthy statement for the passages that just went before? 
or for the passages that come after. And so what many commentators on there are all uh, I'm talking about, they have different opinions, but it is believed sometimes it comes before and after. But in this particular verse, chapter in verse 9, when he said this is a trustworthy statement, he is talking, it's believed about verse 8. And then verse 10 concludes that particular portion there. So Paul says, this is a trustworthy, a true statement from what he has just said. But then when you go back to chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, that statement applies afterwards. When people are more focused on non-truths and lies, that's a real concern. I think the church, when the Bible talks about, as we mentioned in the last days, in the last times that we have referenced, that people are not going to put up with sound doctrine. One of the challenges for the church is, will the church be faithful to that which is trustworthy and true? As I've already said, here's a trustworthy statement and saying, Timothy, Paul emphasizes this to let him know. When you consider Timothy and you consider the fact that he loved Christ, Paul puts him in the same category as, he, as Paul himself. Timothy, you have proven yourself faithful. When you can leave a person who is faithful in charge and you can go off and do something else because you know that it's in good hands with that person, that's a testimony. When the Lord left the disciples in charge when he left, I know some of you were probably, oh, Lord, not the disciples. Not them. Oh, no. Not, not those who left you at the cross. Not those who began to curse and, and to say, I don't know him when it came time for your trying. You, you're not going to leave it to those individuals, are you? We're, we're not ready, Lord. We're not ready. You can't leave yet. We need to be taught still. You need to remain. No. He left the message in good hands. But let me tell you this. The Lord wasn't foolish. He said, no, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to help y'all. Y'all need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm sending the helper. I'm sending the helper. I'm sending you some spiritual help. Because if you try to rely upon this physically, it's not going to work. Spiritual training is more important than physical. Even though physical training has some benefits, it's the training that is spiritual that makes all the difference. For Paul says in verse 10, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Well, let me just conclude by asking or saying this. When we look at spiritual training versus physical training, let me just look at about four or five on each comparison. With spiritual training, it's not time limited. With physical training, if you wait too long, you can't participate in some endeavors. Your body won't cooperate. The other thing that you need to note is with spiritual training, there's growth and development that continue to increase. With physical training, growth and development deteriorates over time. With spiritual training, your strength can increase the older you become. With physical training, your strength decreases as you age. With spiritual training, there are no bench warmers. With physical training, you may not get a chance to play no matter how hard you train. 
There are some people that make it to the pros that rarely get a chance to play. And even in high school and college. But in the spiritual training of life, there are no bench warmers. Spiritual training versus physical and spiritual deficits increase your reliance upon Christ. And physical training deficits cause you to run and try to hide. So I conclude by telling you that spiritual training is of greater value than physical training. And if you are one that has left off the spiritual and have been only focusing on the physical, you need to turn from the physical and focus on the spiritual. Why? Because Paul tells Timothy, not only does it have value for right now and here, it has eternal rewards. What are you focusing on? Are you physically strong but spiritually weak? What does your spiritual exercise routine look like? Does it include prayer? Does it include time in the word of God? Or does your physical routine involve you jumping out of bed because you're late, jumping up, getting ready, and running out the house without even saying thank you to the Lord? <laughs> does your spiritual training allow you to say throughout the day, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and whatever you have prepared for me. Help me to be able to walk in your will. Or does your physical training kick in because you got cut off on the road? And the person didn't show you all the fingers, but just one. Do you play cat and mouse on the freeway because you are upset? Or do you say, come on in, God bless you? Where does your spiritual training begin? Because I can tell you this right now, your spiritual training, you can start it at any point. And God can take you from there and propel you in ways that you've never known before. So it's the spiritual versus the physical. Where do you stand? Our Heavenly Father, today we are grateful to you for everything, for all the things that happen. For you are to be praised and worshipped and glorified. We recognize that you have given us this incredible word of God. You have given us the privilege to be able to hear or to be able to read or to be able to communicate in some ways that will allow us to respond to your leading. And so today we are praying that our focus will be on that which has eternal dividends. May we remember that, God, what we are doing on this side has eternal rewards attached. May we not get so... Flustered and frustrated on this side of eternity to where we lose perspective and began to focus only on that which is perishing, the physical. But oh, may our spiritual eyes be open. May our spiritual eyes be attuned to that which you are revealing and doing. Orchestrate our days that allow people to be touched and souls and lives to be transformed. For Lord, it is not we ourselves that bring about the change, but it is the Holy Spirit himself that orchestrates and bring about the change. Our job, God, is simply to share the good news, to help, but you are the one that gives the increase. May we remember that and keep that in mind, that you are the one 
That helps to develop the spiritual life of the person. So from this day on, Lord, may we refocus our attention from that which is temporal to that which is eternal. We give your your name all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God bless you and amen.